This is the Everyday Mind Podcast, the place where we come together to talk about living a life of notice, creating more connected relationships, and ditching the hustle as you establish the life and business you've always wanted. I'm Naftali Roberts, your host and guide, as we journey together exploring the everyday mind. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Guess what? Today, here in the town I live, our kids went back to school. I'm so excited. I'm also so excited. Like, my body is just vibrating with excitement about today's guest. Today's guest is someone that I have known for many years. I won't say how long because, well, we'll keep our ages just to the side. But I've known him as a friend and as a creative, and I've gotten the opportunity to watch his journey as a writer and an author progress. So when he said yes to coming on the podcast and talking to you guys about how to fiercely protect your time as a creator and a creative and how you really can be intentional with that and the impact that really that fierceness of protection has played out in his life and in his opportunities that he's gotten to have because of just this really consistent, fierce pursuit. I am so excited. So we're not going to wait any longer. Sit back, grab a glass of wine, some coffee, some water, if you're the sort of person that likes to hydrate themselves, and be prepared to be taken on a journey as we discuss how to fiercely protect your time as a creative. Welcome. I am so excited to have you joining us here today on the Everyday Mind podcast. I have had the pleasure of watching you on your creative journey, both near and far. And I can't wait to dive into our conversation today. I would love it if you tell our audience a little bit about you, how long you've been on your creative journey, and what brings you joy? Yes. Well, first of all, hello, and I'm so excited to be on your podcast and to get to <laughs> talk to you. It's been too long, way too long. My name is David Califf. I am uh, a writer, an author, a journalist, and I do a whole bunch of things, and most of them don't pay very much, but I love doing them anyway. Um, I am uh, a writer of fiction. I have a series of kind of young adult historical fantasy novels out. I am a nonfiction writer. I wrote a book with my husband that just came out this year called Modern Kinship, and it's on uh, marriage and faith and sexuality. And uh, I write more journalism type stuff. I had uh, an article printed in the New York Times recently. So I try to just throw a bunch of stuff out there and see if any of it sticks. So, yeah. That is amazing. I knew about three quarters of those. The New York Times, I did not know about that. What did you get published in the New York Times? Random. Yeah, I had, there's this uh, popular column called Modern Love, and it's all about modern day relationships. And so I wrote a piece for them that I submitted and they accept almost no one. So I 
turned it into the, you know, giant dark black hole and expected nothing to come of it. And a few months later, they called me up and they said, hey, we like it. We're going to run it. And I was like, okay, nice. So yeah, it's just one of those things you just got to, I've submitted lots of stuff before to lots of different places and usually nothing comes of it. And sometimes it does. And this one just happened to be a big one. So yeah. That is awesome. So, because I'm sure everyone is wondering, how did you get to the place where you are comfortable kind of just sending your work out into the abyss, um, knowing that there's a good chance that you won't hear back, i.e. be rejected by a lot of different people and places? Like, how did you grow into that? Is that something that's always been easy for you? No, it's not easy. Uh, You know, I fear of rejection is is probably my greatest fear. And, you know, that's more of a a personal fear of me personally being rejected, but it's easy to internalize and and connect your work to yourself, uh, my work to myself. And so it is an exercise. It does get easier over time. But, you know, Stephen King wrote a book called On Writing, and in it he writes about how he had like 40 or 50 rejection letters before he got someone interested in his first book. And he kept all those rejection letters. And, you know, there's people who have written about making no a kind of game where uh, you go out and you try to get people to say no to you, to kind of desensitize yourself to it. You're, you know, you're, you're asking, you know, you go out on the street, you ask something ridiculous of someone and you're trying to get a no just to get used to what that is like. So for me, it, it, it has always hurt a little bit, but when you're submitting a manuscript or an article over the internet, it's a little bit easier because there's, you're removed through technology. Yeah. So you're just writing something and hitting a send button and you're not standing there nervously as they read it. So that makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Did you ever play one of those no games with yourself? Oh, goodness. No. I can't like that. Oh, that, that's like, uh, it's almost like cringe comedy. Like I can't watch cringe comedy because it makes me just, it gives me the willies. I, like I couldn't do that in person to someone. Like, oh, that would make me so nervous. I think we need a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I know. A challenge on your podcast. I'm <laughs> all about that. Yeah. wonder that. Come back that to me. Yeah. We might onlinely challenge you to do that and, yeah. you know, see how it goes. Okay. So you've created all of these things. So tell me this. I know you've talked about all the things that have been accepted. Do you, I mean, you said you've sent stuff out. They haven't been accepted, but are there like certain projects you felt like you've poured your heart, your soul into your time and energy and then when you get to the end of them, either you recognize they're not the project you wanted them to be and they're not good, saying quotation marks, because I'm not sure if there's anything that's not good, but they're not where you want them to be. Yeah. And or they've just been flat out rejected everywhere. And what were those projects? Yes, both. Okay. The first book I ever wrote, I quit my job and just really wanted to give a crack at writing fiction because it was something I had always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I spent a year and worked on this book and I finished it and it was so awful. I didn't even go back and read it. 
I stuffed it on a shelf somewhere where it is still sitting today. I don't know where it is actually. And I have not cracked it open since that was, <laughs> that was how embarrassed I was at it. So, um, yes, I've definitely written things that I'm embarrassed by and that that's, that's the extreme case, but there's been many other ones. Yeah. So I'm curious, how did you know it was that bad? And do you ever get curious that maybe it was not so awful and maybe you should go back and look at it? Yeah. One of my goals someday is to try to figure out where that is <laughs> and uh, go read it again and just get a sense of if it's as awful as I remember it being. Another challenge for Another you. Challenge. I just, yeah, just full of challenges, man. Well, you know, here on this podcast, I like to challenge people. Yeah. I'm just sort of that person that's always going to go where, where, if there's a there, I'm going to go there. Okay, so you have this book. It's out there. You don't know where it is. Did it come with you to Portland? Because at some point you moved to Portland. Yeah, no, it's at home with my parents in Ah. Orange County, California, uh, because I wrote it when I was down there. And uh, yeah, you know, it was a it's like a futuristic social satire. And I think I should not have tried to choose satire as my first book. It's really Mm -hmm. hard to write. And I think my skills are probably still not even there and uh but it was very like forward thinking it was about a society where people were all ranked based on their popularity and this was like this was like 12 years ago 15 Uh years pretty like forward thinking and everyone had social capital and so the stories about this guy who was uh kind of an outcast he was really unpopular but by a strange turn of events becomes one of the most highest ranked people. And so he has to kind of figure out what to do with that and, you know, sell out and use it for personal gain or use that to topple the system. That sounds really interesting. I mean, I don't know if it was written. Well, so you work a nine to five job Mm -hmm. and you also pursue writing. So how do you fit that all in? And are there rhythms or patterns that you've kind of built that have allowed you to pursue your passion, continue to write, and hold a job? Absolutely. You know, everyone needs their own rhythm. But for me, and in fact, what I found most interesting is I remember reading this article about all of the biggest writers of the, I think it was of the 20 and 21st century. And it listed out all of their schedules and each of them had a different writing schedule. Some people got up early um, and wrote for two hours and then went into work. Other people, you know, did something during the day and then they just burned the midnight oil and they would write for, you know, six hours until 3 a.m. They each had their own way of doing things. But the one thing that they had in common was that they all had a schedule of some sort. And that was really eye-opening for me. And so when I decided that I wanted to really commit myself to Mm -hmm. fiction, I knew that I needed to create my own rhythm and treat it like a job and hold steady to it. So that rhythm has changed throughout the years, depending on my job and my circumstances, but I always have a set rhythm. 
And for right now, for me, I get up every morning at 5.30 and I write for an hour and a half before I go into work. And I just schedule my life around that. And that is, for me, one of the most important pieces of advice for someone who's trying to fit something creative in their life. So you got married a couple of years ago. How do you and your husband maneuver like this intentional rhythm? And do you guys hold the same one? Was that ever something you guys had to like go through and figure out together? How has that worked? Because I know a lot of people listening have partners that aren't necessarily similar to them or aren't creative. So I was just curious how you guys have maneuvered that. So fortunately, I have a spouse who is both creative himself and also extremely supportive of my writing. He would he would love me to just quit my job so I could write full time if, if we could swing it. So that's how uh, wonderful and supportive he is. And that really helps because like we got a dog recently and so he you know commits to helping watch the dog while I'm trying to write and mm. stuff like that. So he really is willing to sacrifice to make help me make space, which is just so amazing. So, but when we wrote a book together, that, let me just say, like, if you can write a book together, especially a book on marriage and have it not destroy your marriage, and that's like major success in itself. <laughs> so it was, it was a challenge, but we... Uh, we, we got it out and it's good and we're really happy with it. But uh, we just have really different writing rhythms. For me, I have the rhythm which I just explained where I'm a very methodical writer and I you know, get up every day and I write for a certain amount of time and I have certain goals and benchmarks and so forth. He's more of a inspiration-driven writer, I think, is a, a nice way to put it. <laughs> what would be the other way of putting it that might be in your mind? Well, let me illustrate this. And he's told the story many times, so I'm sure it's okay. When uh, we first started, when we first got this book deal, and he left a job that he was at to make some space for writing, but it was also a really stressful job. And he his he he had committed to writing a huge chunk of his part of the book by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was part of the reason for him taking time off. And so, you know, the end of the year comes occasionally I would kind of check in with him, but I didn't want to be too like overbearing or micromanaging. And at the end of the year, he had written a more or less 0% of his part of the book. Ooh. So, yeah. So we had, um, a uh, one of our more heated exchanges in our marriage after that. But he, you know, uh, got on track and he finished all of his parts on time in like the last, you know, six weeks that we had before we had to turn in our manuscript. And uh, that's what, what my learning piece is. I had to have faith in his rhythm and writing style, even though it was freaking me out. Which Obviously, like across the board, whether you're creative or not, trusting and having faith in each other's style and approach to life, right? That is like so much of that component of like coupling is learning to trust and be okay with your ownness while you're mixing those two. So good job. I am uber impressed, you know, even having run business with my husband, I cannot 
imagine us trying to create something together. I mean, we created babies, but that was a little easier <laughs> and enjoyable. So, um, <laughs> but creating a book or a piece of content, uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, you know, I think we just had, we both, we were just really unified in our vision of what it is we wanted to write. And um, I think the content that we create together is just really seamless. We almost, when we're rereading stuff, we're unsure of who wrote what part. And um, so I think that's just one way we work really well together. But yeah, like you said, trust is a huge aspect and just learning and understanding that my way is not the best way. It's just my way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm constantly relearning that. Do I hear a dog in the background? <laughs> There's like a squeaker. Do you, hear, do you hear squeaking in the background? I do. <laughs> it's that, would be, that would be the nighttime crazies that the dog gets. Okay, I shut the door. He should be fine. <laughs> okay. I was like, what is bouncing up and down? <laughs> Whenever he wants attention, he goes and grabs the squeaky toy and starts squeaking it as loudly as he can. Oh, <laughs> uh, love it. Love it, yeah. love it. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that I just wanted to circle back on because I think it was so huge and I just want to kind of highlight it is that essential to creativity is having a schedule, but there is no one right way to do that schedule. Pick one, try it out, adjust, tweak, listen to your season of a life, but have a rhythm and be intentional to it. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say not only creating that rhythm for yourself, but, and I like to equate it to working out because I love working out too. What matters is the consistency and the blocking out of regular time because you start to get momentum. And the other really important aspect of that is to guard your time fiercely Mm. and to guard that rhythm fiercely. I can't tell you the number of times where I was, you know, writing in the evening and someone invited us to go do something really fun, or I had to do something that would make me stay up late, which uh, would threaten my writing in the morning. And there were so many times where I just said no to things Mm -hmm. to be able to guard that schedule I had set for myself. And I think that more than anything makes the difference between creative people who produce something and those who don't. Yes. Amen. Amen. One of the questions I get all the time, and I've been reading back over this question a lot because I'm in the process of creating something about being a consistent creative right now. And one of the things I get said to me all the time is like, you can't plan your creativity. Like it just comes when it comes and like, you just have to do it then. So what would your answer be to other creatives who maybe feel like, well, I can't plan when I'm going to write. I can't plan when I'm going to create because I won't have the inspiration then, or I might not have that spark. How do you kind of hold a rhythm when there are some days you might feel more or less like being creative in those times or spaces? Yeah, I would say the wait for inspiration to strike um, approach is one of the greatest falsehoods to creativity and one of the greatest barriers as well. Think of it like the way you would think of 
quieting your mind for um, like meditation. If you're someone who has ever meditated or has tried to meditate and learn to let your mind rest and the first time you do it, your mind is just going all over the place and you're thinking of a bazillion different things. And the next 10 times it's, it's the same thing, but slowly bit by bit, your mind learns to calm down faster and it's able to get to that place sooner. And I think it's the same thing with creativity. The more you're doing it and the more rhythm you're creating with it, um, the sooner that you're able to get to that creative place. So for me, my creative place is, is I, I picture an island because when I go out there, I feel very detached from the rest of the world. And when I'm don't have a rhythm and when I'm just kind of riding in like spotty chunks here and there, mm -hmm. it takes me a long time to swim out to that island to get to my creative space. But when I'm doing it regularly and I'm like in shape, then I can just swim out there really fast. I can get to that island soon and really get into the work quickly. So much goodness there. But I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was just this idea of if you practice going to that creative space, it is going to take you a while to use that intention and that rhythm to get you there. But the more you practice it, which is so scientifically proven, like the more we kind of practice those pathways in our mind, we can get there more quickly. So the more you practice and are intentional with this and like you said, protect that time and that creativity with intention fiercely, the more easily you can do and practice that. Yeah. That, that is so freeing and so powerful. And I hope all of you listening are kind of tuning into that because I know that I get calls and messages and all sorts of, you know, carrier pigeons all the time, basically saying like, <laughs> um, I can't do this. Like you're, you're asking me to be consistent. You're telling me it's possible and I just don't believe it. And guys, you're hearing right now from Dave, like it is possible. It's not easy, but if you practice with intention, creativity, you are going to be able to get there. It's not going to be perfect all the time, but you're going to be able to get there. Oh my goodness. There's so many things we could talk about and I know we could go on forever, but I want to be respectful of everyone's time. So I have a couple questions I want to ask of you kind of as we're wrapping up. One, if people want to find your books, where would they find them? They are most easily accessible on Amazon. So my fiction series is called The 16 Burdens. And the uh, book I wrote with Tino, my husband, is called Modern Kinship. It's available wherever major books are sold. But, uh, you know, want Amazon's easy and <laughs> Amazon's we like We like us, but <laughs> yeah. the access and all those links will be in the show notes, guys. Okay. So as just a practice of mindfulness, I want to ask you three questions and it's just reflecting back on your day, being present with it. So what is something that made you laugh today? My dog. <laughs> <laughs> he makes me laugh nonstop because he's just a silly, silly clown. Oh, love it. What is something you've learned today? Because we all can learn something each and every day. 
Oh man, I learned to say no today for some uh, some work issues that were just kind of overburdening me and learning to say no is something that I learn over and over and over again and need to learn more and more and more. <laughs> well, you're doing the same neurological thing you, you've done with creativity. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah. You're, you're going to get there. And who is someone you've actively loved today? Oh, I actively loved my husband, Constantino. Uh, he was uh, at the grocery store without a ride home. So I went and picked him up. And that was my way of, of showing love to him. Awesome. Well, we have so loved having you here on the podcast. And we will have to schedule more times to chat soon. Absolutely. Naftali, this is always so wonderful and your podcast is amazing. And thank you so much for, uh, for letting me be on it. Thank you too. Have a great day, everyone. And we will talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Mind. Here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of the episode you just listened to, head on over to Instagram stories and share there all about why you've been loving the Everyday Mind podcast. Tag me, Naftali V. Roberts, and share so that more people can continue to grow their life of notice so they can build a life and business they always wanted. If you really love me, please head and leave a rating and review so that more people can continue to hear and get encouraged and the tips and tricks to grow a life of notice and build that business on purpose. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you all soon.